0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, and a big rip-off alert, you need to know that there's a lot of crummy health insurance policies being peddled around the United States that are absolutely destroying people's lives and finances. i want to talk right now about how difficult it is for so many people in high-cost cities who have great skills, good education, good jobs, to live a life where you're not wheezing financially all the time, in many cases where it feels like you'll never be able to own your own home. This is a problem in quite a few cities now. Especially in the Northeast, in Washington, D.C., and up and down the I-5 corridor from Seattle to San Diego, where no matter how hard you work, it just feels like you're never going to be able to establish a life of permanence, a place of your own, and the rest. I want to have you think about a possibility. Just think about this. If you're in an ultra high cost market and you just can't seem to accomplish the goals you want, I know this sounds crazy and weird, but even taking a job that pays less in a community with a much lower cost of living where you can afford to buy a home if that's a goal of yours. You can maybe have much better commuting, much lower costs. It's something that can really work for you, potentially. And it's a weird thing to say, yeah, I'd like to make less money. But if the money you make moving somewhere else effectively buys you a much better lifestyle, and allows you to accomplish the things you want to accomplish, it can really be worth it. And there are more companies now either relocating or establishing branch offices in lower-cost climbs, lower-cost places, because the people who they're trying to attract and keep want to be able to afford to live the life that they want. And often that's not on either coast. Tyler is with us on the Clark Howard Show.
1: Hi, Tyler. Hey, how's it going, Clark? Thanks nice for taking my call. Certainly,
0: Tyler. How can I serve you?
1: Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, I had a quick question. I'm fortunate enough to be um, getting married. And uh, well,
0: congratulations to
1: you. I uh, sure do appreciate it. And I guess the question I have. Uh, so, wait.
0: A- I got a question for you. Does her family like you?
1: Uh, As far as I know, they do. Okay. Um, Yeah, if not, not, they're pretty good actors.
0: That's always important because you marry not just the person, you marry their family too.
1: Exactly. Well, I love their family as well, so I'm lucky. Great. Well, I guess the question I had is just I've been kind of looking online just to see if there's any good financial literature or something out there just for newlyweds, um, kind of how to to plan our finances and uh, be set for the future as we... We'll
0: start uh, our life together. All right. Well, you are to be commended that you're thinking about that because how a young couple handles finances in a new marriage is one of the greatest sources of strain in that new marriage. Mm-hmm. And getting information about how to handle finances, the most common way I recommend is are, are you doing – a wedding in, in a church or religious congregation? Uh, no, we're not. So you're getting married by somebody who's not a pastor or anything like that? Correct. All right. So I want to say something for other people, and then I'm going to come back and talk with you about okay. this. All right. So when someone gets married in a religious congregation, it is common now that a requirement that the minister, priest, rabbi whoever it is who's who's officiating will require premarital counseling as part of it and the number one thing in premarital counseling now for so many congregations is the financial side and so people that are getting married in a religious environment have access to that and you don't so there's a suggestion that I really have found works well, and I know it's crazy, but I'm going to suggest two tracks. One, there are a number of podcasts on financial stuff that are very, very good that both of you listen to the podcasts, and they're free, most of them. And I'm going to give you some suggestions. One of them that is really good for a couple getting married is Afford Anything. And you can find... Do you ever listen to podcasts?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. All
0: right. So that would be one. Another one that's very popular is Stacking Benjamins. And I think if you both were listening to those podcasts and others you'll stumble upon, that's a really good base and gives you... a. Perspective, frame of reference on how to go about uh, handling money from the get-go. And then I have the suggestion I've given for 20 years. This is going to sound crazy, all right? Okay. You go together to a bookstore, while there's still some left, Yeah. and go to the personal finance section in the bookstore... And look through books that are in the personal finance area and you grab one, she grabs another. And keep looking through them until you find one that like speaks to you. That's like It looks like it would be a great guidebook where both of you like the writing style and the philosophy of the writer. And you only need one. And you both read that. And I think uh, the podcasts, you can take them in bite-sized chunks and having a book that really feels like a good guide, I think you'll be set. Because the very conversations you'll have will be the key to you realizing, oh, I think about money differently than she does, or I never thought about that. What do you think about doing this? That it creates those conversational moments, and at the same time you're getting the tools to handle money better.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How does that feel?
1: Yeah, that that sounds great. Thank you so much.
0: And congratulations on the path you have coming in front of you.
1: I sure do appreciate it, and thank you for everything.
0: Lynn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lynn. Hello. Lynn, you are not going through a fun episode in your life, are you?
2: No, I'm not.
0: Well, not I am so sorry. What has happened?
2: Last week I came home from work and discovered I had two letters in the mail that Told me, one told me that I opened an account online and congratulated me, and the other one said that I had applied for a personal loan with a bank. That's how I discovered my identity had been stolen and somebody was using my Social Security.
0: I am so, so sorry. Let me go through some of the things you need to do instead of okay. asking you what you've done. <laughs> first thing first, you need to go file a police report.
2: Yep. I did. Actually, I had, um, I mean, I had a whole bunch of you know family members giving me advice but I did go on your website and I looked at what you list to do so that was very helpful and I did file a police report I did file with the FTC great I called social security I did a report online with them and I contacted all three of the credit agencies the reporting agencies and froze my credit wow Yes. So I was. All right. You're very proactive.
0: <laughs> have you been able to figure out? The credit bureau should have supplied you with free copies of all three of your credit reports.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can get them. I, I do have one that I printed, I have another one that I've downloaded to a disk. And yeah, they did um, allow me to get my credit reports so that I could see what it looked like before all this started happening.
0: Well, actually, it should show the inquiries, you know, in the inquiry section. Yes.
2: Yep. And, there, and when I, it's funny because I had ran it two days prior to this all happening because I try to keep up with my credit report and my credit score and nothing was out of the ordinary. Nothing at all. My credit report was exactly how I would have thought it looked. It was nothing that I said, oh, I didn't do that. So then all of a sudden, uh, within a couple of days, it, it just went, it went crazy.
0: And how much did your credit score drop in those Um, couple of days?
2: Well, actually, 60 points. It dropped about 60 points in in like a few days.
0: All right. So you mentioned the two things, the personal loan and the new application for credit. That sounds like there might be two more lingering out there.
2: Yeah, the same credit card companies. When I first found out, there was a credit card company. And then whoever has my social did it again. Like three days later, they applied for the same credit card with the same credit card company. And fortunately, everything was frozen. My social was frozen, so they contacted me right away. Then the same day, they applied for a student loan in another state, $25,000 student loan. I got a phone call from that company saying, did you apply for this loan? I said, no. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, all these companies that are contacting me are saying, They have information on this person. And that was what got me to inquire to you because they have information and they have either a address that this person's trying to get stuff mailed to or they have, you know, an email or a phone number. And the other day it was a license number that wasn't my license number. So I've been calling the police department and saying, hey, you know, this company has this information. And they said, if you want it, you can contact them. And, you know, maybe the driver's license number is invalid. But so, so
0: what you have to have is you have to have the good luck because the yes. financial institutions aren't going to care. They're not going to do right. anything. It's just next. Right. So it requires a police detective who has a yep. real interest in identity theft cases with right. the trail you've been able to put together. And I've found in the past that if you find that person and you can hand them the information on a silver platter of the perpetrator – But that is when you will have a greater likelihood of getting results and getting that person locked up.
2: Right. And that's kind of, that was kind of where I went, where I was going with my question is, you know, to me, and I know I'm not the only one, I feel like, you know, I'm a victim, obviously, but I feel like who's helping me? Like what is out there for me to do other than continuously get phone calls and continuously call the police department back? you know such and such a company has another piece of information
0: it's just going to frustrate you if you just call in you need to have a detective and ask is there a detective who specializes in identity theft cases and you need to get with him or her because they're the ones that would be motivated as you get (laughs) more and more pieces of the puzzle that they've got somebody they can go after and arrest and i love your motivation you've done everything right and yeah. you're going to limit, yeah. likely, the damage you're going to suffer.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and, and I is. love
0: your motivation yeah. that you want to prevent it from happening to other people. And I think that's great. Chuck is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chuck. Hey, how are you? Great. Thank you, Chuck. You've got something happening from your credit card company, which is a real danger sign.
3: Yes. What are they doing to you, Chuck? Well, I received a notice from them that they had lowered my credit limit by $8,000. From what to what? From $18,000 to $10,000.
0: Okay, that is a real problem for you on multiple levels. And what excuse or explanation came with that credit limit reduction?
3: Current accounts not used enough for assigned credit limits. And, and balance on non revolving trades are too low. We don't ever carry a balance.
0: How, uh, much, how much utilization do you have in a month, though? Like, how much of your credit cards are you using? Like, what kind of balance total are you running up on cards before you pay in full?
3: All cards less than
0: 2%. Okay, so what they're worried about is likely that you would suddenly, all at once, having built up a phenomenal credit score with what you just described to me with 2% utilization, your credit score is probably around 820 to 830? Right. How close was I? Uh, 828. I I guess I I was pretty close there. Okay, so with a score in that range and such low utilization – what they must fear in their modeling is that you might suddenly decide you got all this credit, you're going to go use it and walk away from it. Now, that obviously doesn't sound like what you're up to. And this will affect your utilization ratio by just a tiny amount, I would guess. What's your overall credit line?
3: Uh, all cards? Yeah. About 25,000, 30,000
0: ooh, this will affect you. Okay. Right. So what I want you to do is quickly, I want you to go apply for another Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express from another issuer. Okay. Because if your overall credit line is 25, it's now going to drop to 17. You're in danger of your utilization rising, which will potentially if it will, affect your credit score. So I would get another card that will replace that headroom that you're losing.
3: Okay. I guess my main question is, why would someone do that with the credit history we've had with that company?
0: That is a great question. All I can tell you is that last decade, credit card companies started seeing a pattern that's being repeated now, which is people who had been paying very well suddenly stop paying, and a lot of credit card companies worried about that may pull the trigger more and more on reducing credit limits to reduce exposure. So your prior pattern doesn't matter to them. They're looking at overall patterns likely, and that's why you may have seen your credit limit reduced almost in half, and that's why you need to diversify with a card from another issuer as well. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. I need to tell you about a serious ripoff alert that can eat up your wallet. There is a type of health insurance policy that was originally designed for young people who might be between jobs. Even if they qualified for their parents' health care policy till age 26, after that point, they may have some job instability. It takes a while to really establish yourself in a job and a career. And they need health insurance to tide themselves over. And that's why there are temporary policies that exclude pre existing conditions, unlike real health insurance that doesn't permit that. And generally, These policies don't cover major illnesses. Well, because of a loophole in the law, unethical insurers are selling these policies on renewable bases to anyone for up to three years. And it's not till somebody gets a bad illness that they find out that they have no coverage for a serious illness. Yeah, routine doctor visits, you're fine. Routine tests, you're fine. You may have coverage for generic prescriptions, all that. But these policies are really cheap per month. And they don't have the big deductibles that real health insurance has. So people think, what a deal, this is great. And it is great till you get a bad illness. And then it can be disastrous. Story after story about people facing huge medical bills that force them into bankruptcy in the range of hundreds of thousands of dollars from even relatively brief hospital stays, because those really aren't covered. Most of these policies have tight limits on what they do cover, total dollar amounts they'll cover, and a long list of things they exclude. Know that these policies, even though they're being falsely marketed as health insurance, are not real health insurance at all. It's one of these things where they pretend to cover you, but the low premium you're paying generally isn't worth the premium that you are paying. Know that there's not a free lunch. The real issue we have in the country is dealing with the cost of health care in the United States, not the cost of coverage for health care. We have to fix how expensive healthcare is in the United States. And really soon I'm going to talk about some of the strategies I would do if I were your emperor to get the cost of health care down. Dee is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dee.
4: Hi, Clark. You have taught and inspired me so much through your podcasts, and that's why I'm turning to you for your sound and level headed advice.
0: Uh oh. Let's see <laughs> if I have any sound and level headed advice.
4: I was in a car accident with a man who was texting, and he accepted Oh, are you okay? I'm okay, although I do have some neck pain, but I think it's just soft tissue damage, uh, and it's getting better.
0: Well, I'm glad for that. Me
4: too, and he's fine also. Um, He accepted full liability. His insurance company totaled my car and offered me Blue Book value. I've countered with
0: information on... (laughs) Okay, first let me tell you something. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, please. The insurance companies use a fake internal guide to lowball you on what they'll pay you for your car. Yeah. So when they tell you they're using some Blue Book guide... They're using the one where the insurer smiles at you and stabs you in the back.
4: Right. Well, they say it's an independent third party, so I can trust
0: it. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) It's a captive of the insurance industry that tends to show a value for your vehicle that, and I'm rounding out here, but usually 20 or so percent less than what your vehicle's really worth
4: they say that it's through J.D. Powers. I went on the Internet and looked at the NADA guide, not a guide, uh-huh. on J.D. Powers, and their Blue Book value of my beloved wagon is a lot more than what the Kelly Blue Book value is. But the value they gave me was actually even a little higher than the high end of the Kelly Blue Book value. But,
0: so it's like, how do you come up with a value for your vehicle?
4: Right. Although I... My vehicle was in excellent condition, and I think it's actually bordering on becoming a classic, because it was 24 years old.
0: It's a- 24 years old? And it only had
4: 168,000 miles, and I've kept it in excellent condition. My mechanics say it'll go at least another 10 years.
0: Well, it would have gone another 10 years. Yeah, it would
5: have, exactly,
0: exactly. Okay, so I'm so impressed on so many levels. What kind of car did you have that was 24 years and counting?
4: very proud to say I had a Toyota Corolla wagon, and they stopped making the wagon in 95, and nobody makes small wagons anymore. So that's why, part of why I'm so heart sick over this is I hate to lose that car because I can't find anything. You're not going to find equivalent. Have. Yeah, and, it's, and it was a fantastic car. It cost me, I maintained it beautifully, but it cost less than $500 a year for all the maintenance and new tires, new brakes, you know, things that wear out. But it just needed almost no and nothing
0: repaired. What kind of gap do we have? Because with a 24-year-old vehicle, yeah. uh, they were going to total it if, um, I mean, a chip of paint came off the side. Right, right. So what value did they say it was worth versus what you believe it to be worth?
4: They said they thought it was worth uh, 3100 I think, according to the NADA guide, it's worth um,
0: 4800 So we got $1,700 gap here. All right, so one thing I would do is mm-hmm. I would go to a Toyota dealer mm-hmm. and pay the used car appraiser at the Toyota dealer oh. to give you uh, what's known as a certified appraisal on what your vehicle would have been worth okay. the second before it got hit by the guy who was at fault here. Okay. And, and how
4: the other so, dealers have that, huh?
0: Well, any uh, you know, most used car dealers live and die by the used car buyer, the appraiser knowing what is real fair market value on a vehicle. hmm And so, uh, paying that kind of individual to give you what would be a true fair market value on it is credibility way beyond whatever stack deck insurance database the insurer is using. Okay, that's great. You also might have an option to use an appraiser to evaluate the car as part of how you would settle this in your state. Um, Have you called your state insurance department?
4: I have. They didn't mention that.
0: Call but back just, and ask, yeah. now that you know that question to yeah. ask. Yeah, Ask specifically, do you have a right under state law to have an appraisal done and develop a value on the vehicle?
4: Oh, that's great. Thank you. I will do that. I also wondered about the loss of use, because I asked them if they would pay for a rental car, because my car, is—it's I can drive it, but it's not safe, is what my mechanic said. I've just been driving it to and from the bus stop five miles from my house so I can go to work every day. Uh, and I asked the um, insurance company if they would pay for a rental, and they kind of hem and hawed and said, well, we have to look and see what his, the driver, other driver's liability Well, the real
0: is. issue is once they've decided to total, yeah. that usually, and this again will vary by state, so that would be a second question to ask the insurance department when you call. What are okay. your rights when a vehicle is being totaled but there's no agreement yet on what the value would be do you have a right to temporary transportation
1: okay okay
0: and the best news of all is that you were not hurt in a bad way because you know there have been such terrible things where people have been busy looking at their phones instead of the road and what can happen to you and fortunately it's your car that got hurt instead of you in any major way so stand up for yourself, and let's see if you can't get more money. Derek is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Derek.
6: Hi, how are you today?
0: Great, thank you, Derek. Hope you're having a great one.
6: Oh, it's a blessed day. Thank you. How are you?
0: Wonderful, thanks. So, Derek, you want to talk about saving money for kids' college.
6: Yes. Yes. I uh, took your recommendation and opened up a 529 plan, uh, went to your website, and looked for my state-run 529 plan. It actually rates gold on several, like Time Magazine actually rated gold as well. And I have a son who, in 17 years, will go to college. But my state-run 529 plan is only yielding 1.11%, and I'm wondering if I can do Better saving for college through another me. I well, did use the... Well, first of all, um, you said something eighth very
0: eighth. concerning to me. Okay. Um, how old are your kids?
6: Well, my other children are under another 529 plan, okay. but I have a, most recently I have an 18-month-old.
0: Okay, so for an 18-month-old, you shouldn't be in anything that's generating a yield. You should be instead... In something that's invested in stock-type choices, where with a okay. newborn, the 529 plans should overwhelmingly, in the age-based portfolio, should have yes. a kid in something that is could be as much as 80% stock-type choices. Right. And okay. then you're not looking at a yield, because then you're talking more like a stable value or savings account type of 529. Right. Okay. And what you really need for a young child is you need a child to be in things that can outrun education inflation. Absolutely. Or at least keep up with education inflation. What state are you in? Uh, Illinois. Right. So in Illinois, I like the Bright Start direct sold plan. Right. But the investment choice I'm interested in is the index age based only. So there'll be, if you look at the list of choices, there'll be one that's age-based index. So then based on the fact that you have an 18-month-old, it is the most aggressive it will be for the next 18 years.
6: And And I should be able to trust my state, even if my state is not a (laughs) well-run
0: state. Well, Illinois, Illinois is generally a disaster. But but, (laughs) I mean, let's face it, economically, the state is run terribly, and uh, and that's just a fact that I don't know how Illinois is going to meet all its obligations, but the 529 plan money is not in the coffers of the state. The state just sponsors the 529, and the money is handled by an administrator. There's a difference... When a state has a prepaid tuition plan, in a prepaid tuition plan state, then you're dependent on the state actually meeting its obligations. But with an investment-based 529, like your 18 18-month-old is in, that's not an issue.
6: Okay. One other question. If there's no real benefit, in my opinion, for me staying in my state to invest in a 529 plan couldn't i invest in a, another state 529 plan that i do feel yields a better performance and, and also well, well if age you go running.
0: if i mean i wouldn't say dump illinois for the 529 if you already have it set up if you're in the low cost age based index funds you're just fine in it but if you're freaked out about all the issues involved with the state of illinois let your money travel and you're allowed to transfer the money out One time each 12 months, you just move your account to Utah and have it in what I think is the nation's best 529 plan. You don't have to be a resident of Utah. And I was teasing last time I talked about it and said that they give you free lift tickets to ski resorts in Utah for every account you open. Somebody thought I was serious. They don't actually do that. (laughs) So don't look for the free lift tickets. sue is with us on the clark howard show hello sue hi clark how you okay how are you doing good sue i see you're dealing with a really tough time in your life
5: yes i am 63 years old been married for 45 years and my husband passed away in january
0: i am so very sorry
5: thank you um, when I wow, attempt- you got married at 18? Yes, I did. <laughs> wow. And stayed with him the whole time. How about you?
0: That I mean, on so many levels, that's got to really ache that this was your life partner yes. when you were a teenager. Yes. And then you've got all the financial stuff you have to deal with, too.
5: Yes.
0: Wow, how can I be of service?
5: Well, I hope you can. When I attempted to use my credit card that we had all had for a number of years I found that it had been closed out due to the fact that he had passed and he was the principal card holder and I was secondary
0: so you were you were only an authorized user on the account correct all right and are you working sue yes do you have any credit in your own name I think I'm
5: the primary own the house.
0: And do you own the house free and clear, or is there a mortgage? You're There's
5: paid? still a, a small amount of mortgage on it.
0: All right, and you're the one named on that?
5: We both are, but I think my name comes first on it.
0: Okay, that's good. Have you checked to see what your credit score is yet?
5: I have. I just checked yesterday.
0: And what number are you at?
5: 828. 828?
0: Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. Have you considered applying for your own card now? yes have you done that yet no okay are you a member of a credit union yes i want you to go to that credit union tell them the story share with them what your credit score is although they'll verify that on their own and get a credit card in your own name
5: yes
0: with a score like that the fact that you're on a mortgage you should be able to get a credit card i don't want you applying with one of the big national credit card companies I want you to go to a credit union where you're talking with a loan officer face-to-face.
5: Okay. I know you highly recommend credit unions anyway. They're not,
0: they're not a huge player in credit cards, but in your circumstance and situation, you need to be with a loan officer face-to-face talking through it.
5: Uh-huh. So would that be like a, a MasterCard? or? Yeah,
0: MasterCard or Visa. Visa? Either one. It doesn't matter. Both of them will help you establish... Uh, credit in your own name, well. Okay. And once you've had your new card for half a year, I'd like you to apply for one more card. Because I want you to have two in your own name. Okay. I would like for you, when the time is appropriate, to sit down with what's known as a fee only financial planner. Yes. And have you heard me talk about that before on the I air? I have.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And This might be a good time for you to talk with somebody with Garrett Planning Network. Garrett? Garrett Planning Network. If you go to Clark.com and look at my information on fee-only planners, you'll see why in your situation I might want you to sit down with a Garrett person. And I want to wish you the best, and I'd like you to do this, Sue, as the time progresses when there are other issues that come up. Please call back and let me talk those through with you as well.